Hello, everybody. This is David Bixenspan here on CagesideSeats.com with the debut edition of Cageside Radio. This is sort of a spin-off podcast of the existing Loser Leaves Town shows. These are going to be sort of more, I guess, current events oriented, so to speak. And, you know, we'll be exclusive to CagesideSeats.com. Um, you know, we'll just try to have different people to some degree on, um, I guess as often as possible, going to try to go for weekly, but who knows. But anyway, I am joined today by Steve Lerner of Segunda Caída, which is uh, segundacaída.blogspot.com. And of course, that'll be linked to in the uh, show description. But uh, I was also planning on having Dave Walsh with me again. Uh, but he has a sore throat, I guess, and he said it was made worse by, I guess it's also cold in New Mexico today. So anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Dave. And uh, how are you? Good, good. I'm as snowed in as you are. Yep. Uh, just about as much, I'd imagine. On the opposite side of Long Island. So yeah. some interesting stuff to discuss this week. Um, obviously, the biggest news is Bret Hart. Uh oh, yeah. Yeah, going, coming back to WWE, three-month talent contract, probably wrestling, I guess, at WrestleMania. I would guess that it has to be Vince, a Vince match, street fight, you know, kendo sticks to the stomach so Brett doesn't get hurt, that sort of thing. But it's, I mean, it is surprising, and in some way it's not, but I don't know. I, I, it's It's sort of hard to gauge why he's doing it. Yeah, it's a... It's a real head scratcher. I mean, I guess the explanation that's uh, kept coming up, uh, you know, in, in speculation thus far is that uh, Brett kind of feels like his legacy might be fading and that he needs to sort of uh, just show up to make himself relevant again. Um, but, you know, e even with that in mind, there still doesn't really seem to be a, a clear explanation for any of this. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. well, yeah, go ahead. Of course, the joke that everyone's been making is that he uh, wants to get closer to Molina. Yeah. <laughs> I, from listening to him on Observer Radio this week, I didn't, when he was talking about Molina, I did not get that impression. But, I mean, I, I would wonder although why. It is, although it is one of those situations where, you know, between him and Mick Foley, you know, you can't help but start to wonder if she <laughs> has this kind of magnetic pull on, uh, you know, aging retired wrestlers. Sort of like an opposite CM Punk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. but uh, It's going to be interesting. I mean, do you think they do anything other than a Vince match, though? Because... Um... You know, I have absolutely no clue. Um, I guess the Vince match seems like the obvious thing. Uh, I seem to recall, and I don't know if there was any veracity to any of this, uh, them mentioning some time back, I think back when Brett was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, that they wanted to have a Brett-Vince match that was basically just going to be Brett comes in, knocks out Vince, puts him in the sharpshooter, insta-tap, and that's that you know, a nice way to uh, have Brett on the show without actually, you know, running any serious health risks. Um, but this, I mean, are they really going to, like, do an actual match-match with him at this stage of the game? 
if it is, it has to be a gimmick match because, you know, he's not going to take any bumps. You know, he can't really get hit with anything that can hurt him. You know, I mean, but then again, if you're doing that, he really has to be in there with someone he trusts. And I don't know, not even not trust that, that Vince is that. I don't know if the Vince would be that person not for not trusting him to tr- not to try to take care of him as much as that he do- is it, wouldn't necessarily have confidence in Vince being a guy who can protect him. Just yeah, um, you know, it's it, it's just not. I just can't see that scenario ending well at all. And I'm not really sure what the alternative is. Um, you know, you don't run the Vince McMahon, Bret Hart arm wrestling contest, you know? Uh, do you, you know, do you run like a, a Battle of the Billionaire style situation where Brett has his representative and Vince has has his representative? And even then, the question is, A, would that even mean anything? And B, who would it even be? I mean, you know, do you do anything with the Hart dynasty? Do you even care about the Hart dynasty in this situation? I mean, it's just. And on top of all that, you know, we're talking about a three-month talent contract that covers precisely zero dates in Canada. So what the fuck? I mean, that's just – seriously, what the fuck is this? Uh, I mean, I don't know. As far as the Canada thing, I, I mean, I guess the thing is – I mean, obviously, if you're going to do something with Brett, it's going to be for WrestleMania. So I mean, I understand doing it now. But it is weird. I mean, you have to also keep in mind that in 1997, that the fact that they were in Canada every other week was just a coincidence that had been booked in a, far in advance before Brett turned. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, if you're thinking, you know, of course they don't seem to run Canada as frequently as they used to anyway, Um, but it it, it is something that would obviously, that would benefit them, but especially depending on what you think about whether or not the current fan base is that familiar with Brad. Um, I think they can, it could still do well though. I don't, I think it would still get over. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, at least in far as that one theoretical talking point goes, I, I get the sense that, uh, today's WWE fan is slightly more familiar with the, stars of yesteryear than they were in years past uh you know by way of the uh various home video releases and 24 7 and you know just you know granted this is a number of years back now but watching the react i remember at the raw 10th anniversary special which would have been you know some time back uh some time back now um uh i would uh I, I recall when they were doing the superstar of of uh, of the decade, the the raw superstar of the decade award, and Brett's nomination came up, and 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 afterwards when they were an- making the announcements, and everyone was just freaking out, chanting for Brett. You know, he hasn't been forgotten completely. Right. He he's uh he's not he's not a total nobody. So, 
I just, uh, I just, I just don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, and you know, as far as matches, I guess you can bring him back as a manager, as long as it's done right, you know. But I think part of the problem with that is then people are going to expect him to wrestle if he's involved as a manager. Um, if he does anything, they're going to expect him to wrestle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is normally the part where I point out that... Uh, this is normally the part where I point out how professional wrestling is supposed to be about promoters conning the marks and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. But, uh... It, it's true. Um... I, I just I just don't know what you do with it really at this point. <sighs> I just I just don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's no way to go with it that's not some form of Brett versus Vince. I think it ha it's going to be that in some form, but exactly what it is is what remains to be seen. Mm. If it, uh, I don't see them doing anything with DX since they're oh god faces. no not not, not happening. Um, Period. Vince, you know, and the way they've set it up so far on TV was involving Vince. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, if it were to be something, well, I, that's the thing. I don't see them turning the Hart Dynasty, though. Yeah. Um. And and I don't see. I just. Um. I mean, I I, I don't see. Uh, Honestly, the Hart dynasty as being representatives of Bret Hart. I mean, just just speaking hypothetically, my own thought with that would be if Bret comes back and the Hart dynasty tries to capitalize on his name and he rejects them for being heels and they in turn try to get back at them, try to get back at him. And I don't know. And then I guess you get Vince involved and um, – Oh, well, there, there, there's your Battle of the Billionaires situation. Vince McMahon's hair versus Brett's hair, with Brett being represented by Molina and Vince McMahon being represented by Natalia. <laughs> there's your WrestleMania 26 main event, ladies and gentlemen. We've solved the problem. In all seriousness, though, I mean, you know, I don't think they would ever try do a hair thing with Vince again, though. I mean, I know you're. Nah, joking, you can't do but... that one twice. That was that that was a special moment. Yeah, he's not, he's not Negro Casas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had that right. Who's, who seems to have magic hair, yes. by the way. How long did he lose did he lose to uh, Mystico? Just in a couple, like what, three months at the most? Yeah, like three months. And he already has a full head of hair? Yep. Uh, that man is amazing, what can yeah. I say? Uh, speaking, though, with the Hart Dynasty, you, did you catch SmackDown this week? I did not catch SmackDown this week. I am terribly uh, bad at being up-to-date with professional wrestling these days. Yeah. I basically just a uh, I basically just grab on to whatever people tell me is good and check that out. Yeah, uh, so much to watch. Heart Dynasty versus like, I'm like yeah. you know neck deep in world class right now, so it's uh, hard to keep track of everything else that's going on in the present day. Heart Dynasty versus Jimmy Yang and uh, Slam Master J uh, Jesse was pretty. I thought that was pretty good and. Uh, D.H. Smith, David Hart Smith, Harry Smith, whatever he is now, did a uh, he did a rolling belly to belly suplex, and it was actually by far the least ridiculous rolling suplex I've ever seen. 
You know, I can actually visualize that working in a way that doesn't like completely kill the efficacy of the move involved. Yeah, it, no, he was really well. I, I mean, it helps the the size difference and stuff, and the fact yes. you know that Smith looks really like he can deadlift the guy. Right, but it, that was actually pretty cool. It was you know regu- two regular belly to bellies into an overhead one, which I guess means that it's that the move has been unbanned in the last six years or so. But uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, by the way, so with the world class stuff, though, by the way, for the Death Valley Driver '80s nomination stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what have you been watching last week or so? Um, last week or so. Well, I'm trying to. Uh burn through the DVDs that Chris Zellner sent me so that that shoe hasn't seen so that I can get those out. And what that has mostly been thus far has been your 87 into 88 uh, world class uh, where you now have Michael Hayes is the booker and uh, the UWF is out of business. So a lot of the UWF guys who had uh, – come from world class have now jumped back and as a result the promotion is actually like kind of really cool again uh so that's uh that's been exciting i've uh i've been watching uh well let me let me pull up and uh and see what i've been watching as of late um i i just uh i just put up the other day a nomination for a for a uh for a well, they called it a lights out match, but it was actually a uh, a last man standing match between Iceman King Parsons and Kerry Von Erich, uh, which is uh, you know Iceman King Parsons is really like for uh, I I remember you know starting into this getting really kind of amazed by the fact that you had your mid card shucking and jiving black babyface character just being like the stiffest motherfucker this side of the pacific and you know this is 88 now though so this is heel iceman and for some reason as a heel not quite as stiff as usual but uh makes a makes a hell of an exception in this match they just beat the shit out of each other in this one uh only only mark I'd put against this match is it has is that uh we have we have the black beauty we have the black glove the black beauty which kicks mucks which uh which kicks much booty uh that buddy roberts uh sort of surreptitiously slides into iceman for him to use while the referee isn't looking which would be fine in all word not for the fact that this were rather blatantly a no disqualification match and they had used for an object shot so it was like you know why why does this need to be the great secret but other than that man that was phenomenal i i, I was uh, all about that match now that predates the rudy poot stick right no this is we are i'm or does, does it predate this does it predate the stick? It's like right around the stick. It's certainly it's certainly in the Rudy Poot era. But uh I'm not sure if it predates the stick. The stick is like either in the match after that or like the match right before that. So if it predates, it doesn't predate it by a whole lot. He does not get enough credit for the Rudy Poot stick. No, no. And uh Especially you know, in light I, of I, the rock. Oh yeah, I, you know I, I'm gonna say I say that you know say what you will about Scott Keith. I will always you gotta give him acknowledge this much. He always gave Iceman King Parsons credit for innovating the whole Rudy Poot thing. Yes, 
he always acknowledged that, and and uh, you know, for whatever other idiocy he might have blathered on about during his strange career, he, I, I will, uh, I will thank him for that much. Yeah, and uh, with the stiffness, it's interesting you bring up that. Although I believe that Gary Hart did not have much of a liking for Iceman Parsons and the other guys who were sort of considered considered Ken Mantell's crew. It it reminds me of something he talks about in his book, which I would guess you have not read yet. Uh no, I have not. You have to buy it. You have I will to read definitely that seek it out though. Uh it he he says this thing about how in Texas you had to work stiff. That uh, I forget if he said stiff or snug or whatever, but it was something like the only guy in Texas who drew money that didn't work stiff was Mark Lewin, and that was because nobody could tell that he didn't. <laughs> but, you know, he talks about, I'm trying to remember, like, you know, Missouri Mauler, the Von Erics, uh, Spoiler, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... uh, It, it, it certainly shows. I mean, uh, you know, Chris said it Chris said best, this is probably the stiffest wrestling promotion in America in the 80s. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely if you like your hard nose brawling, this is going to be this. This is going to be the set for you. Well, yeah, you're taking a territory that was already one of the stiffer ones and then adding close up cameras. Oh, yes. Yes, I mean, you know, uh, Iceman King Parsons, I mean, even the butt-butt was like him being shot out of a cannon ass-first at some dude. Uh, you know, he he does not hold back. So when even your mid-card, you know, fun-loving semi-comedy characters are just vicious bastards, you know you're in for, for a rough time. Uh and that's the way I like it, so I can't complain. I've had a lot of fun with this so far. Now, watching the 88 stuff, how much open-door policy stuff do you, have you seen of guys coming in from other territories? Well, let's see. Uh, there's there's Terry Taylor, who's pushed as, like, you know, the major, major proponent of the open-door policy, um, to the point that, you know, when he starts up, his feud with Chris Adams, it is basically said outright by the announcers that this is a continuation of their UWF feud. Um, and, uh, let's see, there's him, and I'm trying to think who else really... Have you seen Robert, the Robert Gibson match yet? I haven't seen Robert Gibson yet. I have not. I'm trying to see, remember what I've seen, because I know some of the stuff, some of the stuff you have is probably the stuff I have, so... Yeah, well, to to the point that I, I have, you know discs that you actually that were actually labeled as your creations so i actually got them from uh, a certain steve f whose last name will remain nameless for copyright right. reasons but <laughs> well i'm gonna credit i'm gonna credit with you with them anyway so well yeah them. i ordered that i traded them from him so they're on dvd because of me so to yes. speak. but yeah i know i remember there's the pat tanaka and ron star tag team oh yeah i saw those guys i, I saw really like that man that was fun i enjoyed that i enjoyed seeing those guys in action yeah but yeah i, I thought that that was a cool concept the whole open door policy thing you know, it's like it was, but I'm curious if they fly, flew, flied, flew these guys in or what? Yeah, I'm look, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my write up of the Ron Star Pat Tanaka versus Steve Casey Jason Sterling matchup uh, right now. 
It's uh yeah I, I hey I said it should go I said it should go on the set somehow as an extra so uh, take that for what you will. How much Jason Sterling have you seen so far? Um, a handful of stuff. He um he is was a tiny little fellow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the main thing I think about with him. And that is leopard print tights. Um, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but uh. I, I don't know. I've yet to really uh, set up a solid uh, opinion of him one way or another. Oh, hey, here's another guy. Uh, another beneficiary of the open door policy I, I saw was uh, Masahiro Chono. Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember if I watched that match or not. Yeah, Masahiro Chono, and, Masahiro Chono and Mike George, you know, quite – Nice little odd couple tag team right there, and well, they uh, were both in uh, Central. They were both in Kansas City, and they were they actually had more of a working agreement with Kansas City at that point. There's actually Harley Race's website used to sell a tape that had some world class guys in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, I, uh, I, I kind of the match was uh, it, it wasn't so good, but uh, I gotta say, Chono was a. Uh, you could definitely see that uh, he was a guy with a, with a lot of potential who could be a real big star one day. Yeah. He was really fired up for that match. So anyway, so what else do we have going on this week? We have the uh, the new Benoit developments from uh, Irv Mushnick's blog, from some emails with uh, Michael Benoit. Mm. Which uh, let's so let's see. We have it was sort of in light of the stuff about test so i guess we'll also end up segueing into that so yep there was the revelation that the ww well they specific he specifically said wwe so might as well say it they can right. still sue whoever they want including wwe up until uh chris's uh daughter Me- um megan well actually wait is it megan or am i thinking of flyers kids <laughs> i think you and- are Yes. Wait, is it Dave? It's well, they both have Dave. Getting our dysfunctional Dave. wrestling family is messed up. No, wait a second. Wait a second. It's let me look. No, because it was David. Uh, no, I think they both have had sons named David. Uh, I'm trying to remember. No, because I know David and Megan. I think it's Flair. Both of Flair's. Older. Let's just go with Benoit kid number one. The, the youngest of Benoit's surviving children has until two years after she turns eighteen to sue anyone for wrongful death. Um. So. He, it had been said or implied that in the past that they did not sue because Jerry McDivitt said he would claim in court that Chris was a drug dealer. Mm. And, uh, th- but Michael Benoit saying, no, that's not true. We still have plenty of time. Uh, so that. Am I missing, oh. am I missing something in terms of my legalese or would the WWE's lawyer I I, I I would assume that when McDivitt said that he was making he was implicitly saying that he found out that Benoit was a drug dealer after the fact, as opposed to you know implicating himself as covering up Benoit being a drug dealer. <laughs> I I would think so. I mean, he's not an idiot. Because you would think so. On the other hand, these people are a little out there. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so there was. So there, yeah, there was that, and I guess you know, when Earth mentioned that since 
Mike Benoit's, you know, big thing is the brain damage. That would be a WWE thing, as far as if he was saying they were negligent, and then that caused um, at least one of the deaths. Yes. As a total layman, I always thought that they probably had the best case if they only sued for Chris's suicide. Mm. There was something in my head. I don't, as someone who's not a lawyer at all, I always. I just there was something about that that's always seemed like it would make more sense to me based on the various suicides and stuff from the brain damage and the depression and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um I uh, I kind of see that. And I mean I I mean I would guess uh, I mean I'm every bit of a layman as you are, so uh No, I, I know that, but um <laughs> Well, either way though, I Whatever they sue for, I believe, would be for the deaths of Chris and or Daniel, because, uh, no, because this is different from the estate stuff that the, that otherwise do the death, you know, that the you know because the Tofalonis are suing Doctor Aston and various unnamed uh, drug companies and distributors for Nancy's death, so. I, so the point is either way that they do have time for it, more time, and certainly the fact that he said it makes me think that there's still something ha- will happen. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, like you said, just the, just the fact that it gets brought up, uh, uh, especially uh, especially now that we've uh, gone past the two year mark already, um. The fact that it's still this the talk of legal action is still being uh, brought up suggests that uh, something is uh, is uh, is still could still be in the works. Um, so I guess that's what uh, we have two years uh, to keep our eyes o- out for that. Now, as much as I sympathize with Mike Benoit, though, and that obviously there's had to be at least something there, regardless of how much it contributed. Uh, reading the email that he sent to Irv Mushnick, I think he's a little too overboard. Um, you know what I mean? Because he's saying brain damage is the underlying cause of death in the wrestling industry. Jim Ross wrote in his blog that Andrew took drugs because he could not make it to the top of WWE. Andrew was taking drugs because of the pain he was in due to brain damage. At one point, Andrew Martin was the WWE hardcore champion. If Dave, if Eddie, Davey Boy, Pillman, Mike Durham, the list goes on and on, would have been, bra- been tested, they would have found to have brain damage. You know, and it goes on from there. Now, and I don't even doubt what he's saying as far as them having brain damage, if just because test not being a big bumper having this, you know, severe brain damage. But the fact that he's saying this is the the underlying cause of death in wrestling. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty huge oversimplification. I I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of factors at play here and, and certainly the brain damage is a big one. Um, But, you know, you you can't just point to that alone as being the issue. Uh, you know, he was, you know, Ted Test maybe did drugs because he was disappointed in not getting to the top of the WWE. But looking at Test, I got a pretty good feeling he was doing some stuff before he that as well. You know, he was he was probably doing some stuff while being pushed as a guy about to marry the boss's daughter. You know, it, it's uh. 
and I'm sure I'm sure that the fact that that fell through probably didn't help matters. Uh, but it's not like that's the sole cause of drug use. And Are you saying that if Vince Russo's unknown plan for the wedding involved them actually getting married, the test would still be alive? Um, it would. Uh, it would help his chances, perhaps. It's it's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I'm... Uh, of course, then again, considering Vince Russo's uh, and, and you know his uh, the way his plans usually turn out, um, maybe not so much. But well, no. But uh, there's so there's that. But yeah, I think he's oversimplifying it. He's not wrong otherwise, aside from that specific thing saying it's the the, the cause of death for wrestlers. But he's right to do what he's doing otherwise and to try to get attention for it. But that one statement, I think, was very much off the mark. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. So what else do we have here? There was the... uh, Oh, there was the revelation that... uh, What's his name? Doctor uh, Doctor Cyril Wecht called the Fayette County coroner to encourage him to test uh, Daniel for Fragile X, and also trying to te- saying that oh Nancy died first, and then Daniel, and then Chris. Actually, wait. No, wait a second. That's wait, but that's actually what is happen- What did happen? So wait a second, let me make sure I know what he... Because I was re- <laughs> sort of reading from it, but not processing it. Wait. He dismissed the suggestion as he believed and shared with me at the time that Nancy died first and Daniel. Wait, uh... This sounds like it's something that Mike Benoit wrote wrong, because... This yeah, because it, it keeps reading wrong to me, too, whenever whenever I look over it. Yeah, that doesn't... It, I, I would... I don't know, now I'm... Go- okay, I skipped over part of it. It said that he thought that there was a high probability that Daniel died first. Sorry about that. Okay, so Dr. Cyril Wecht, of course, who's his lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know this. Yeah. We just talked about him, Jerry McDivitt. Um, <laughs> it's certainly interesting um, that a uh, famed coroner uh, known for his various improprieties happen to sort of butt into a case involving a major client of his lawyer. Yeah, uh, funny how that one works out. Yeah, not saying that anyone specifically did anything, you right. know. I'm sure Dave Taylor had a perfectly good reason to be carrying cold cuts to a uh, what he may or may not have known was a uh, crime scene. But it likes cold cuts. He can't help it. Yeah, but anyway, there's a lot of stuff that went on that I'm sure we're going to be learning more about. Between the stuff that was in the Mushnick book and now this. Um, interestingly enough, though, Irv Mushnick, from talking to the woman in Vancouver who called the radio station, he believes that whatever that she, whatever happened is not lying and that she had good intentions as far as the thing and saying Daniel had fragile X and that her husband told her that he did. Her late husband. But... You know, she also says, and this is backed up by the radio station not returning Mushnick's calls, that she called the radio station and was not told she was being recorded and all that, being quoted in an article and all that. Um, 
I, you know, which makes me think that it was just WWE trying to, you know, the whole thing they did after capitalizing on it. Oh, they were arguing about Fragile X. That means it has nothing to do with drugs. Hooray. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. But the whole thing with the Fragile X is just still so bizarre. Yeah. I can't even tr- wrap my head around it. Uh, it's, it's, I can't, I can't make heads or tails of that one either. Uh, that's just, oh God, I, that one's just so mixed up that it's completely impenetrable to me personally. If so, well, here's the thing. If someone as cynical as Irv Mushnick is saying that he believes this woman. Yeah. After talking to her, then she's then you know, what what was it with her husband then? What who did her husband talk to that told him that? Well, he said that he talked to Chris Benoit, but who told him that Chris Benoit had a son with Fragile X? If he did, uh, or if he didn't, uh, um, did he lie because he saw Daniel on TV or on the Benoit DVD and? thought Daniel looked like he had Fragile X. You know, it's 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 impossible to figure out at this point where where this was what this was rooted in. I don't think you can say that WWE planted anything at the beginning, although as has been discussed going back to that week, there was a big news story about Fragile X and Fragile X research right at the time of the murders. Right. But it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. The origin of I, I if we believe this this Pam, this woman Pam Winthrop nothing makes sense. Yeah, it it's... makes more sense if it was planted. It's more logical a more logical story and more believable story if it was planted. Yeah. It does not look like it was, but yet that is somehow less believable. Yeah, it's it's insane, but uh, you know, the uh, the the one, you know, thing that you could possibly take away from this is, is the idea that uh, whatever caused this particular story to flare up, that it, it got on the WWE's radar and, and they grabbed onto it and capitalized it as a way to, to deflect attention from themselves. Absolutely. And beyond that, the whole thing's kind of a clusterfuck and I have no idea what the hell is going on with it. But between this and the book, I you know, there's going to be more stuff that we hear about over time. I think probably more related to the fragile X in one way or another. Um, just, I think there has you know just something. I don't know. I mean, I get almost get the feeling WWE would be stupid enough to do a memo about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just I just don't know. I, but. It'll be interesting to see what happens if there's a lawsuit eventually. You know, a lot of the more interesting information in the Mushnick book came from uh, the research that the investigators at uh, Carrie Ictor's law firm did for uh, Michael Benoit. Now, look, reading the book, though, and there's no real indication of it in the emails, Carrie Ictor might not be his lawyer anymore, That Mike Benoit's lawyer anymore. Oh. Um there was, I forget exactly what it was, but there was something that he, I've, there was something in the book I'd have to check about it. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I'm trying to remember, there was something about, there was something related to some sort of schism there. Um, Carrie Ictor, interesting character, 
Google the interview with him and Sonny Ono that Ben Miller did on for WrestleLine way back when. And it's... Uh, I don't... You know, after all this stuff they found, I don't doubt that he's a good lawyer or anything, but the fact that he's talking about how Sonny Ono was the top heel in WCW... <laughs> Oh, it's Starcade 95. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, it's the operative word was, you know. It... Uh, nobody talks about how each Drew Greg Hoder hour ratings and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> and this is a, one thing that never really gets talked about with the Sonny Ono, you know, racism lawsuit, by the way, is that they did a thing that got dropped immediately where it was going to be that where he did talk in his natural, like, American, I think, Southern accent for a minute after he accidentally slipped into it and Gene Okerlund caught him. And he went into this whole thing about how people, you know, sort of pander to foreigners and help them because they think they need to help them. So he was doing it to get ahead. And that was actually pretty interesting, but they yeah. dropped it. Huh. And the fact that they dropped it, I wonder if that, maybe it did come up and somehow enhanced his lawsuit, although... Probably not as much as the uh, Chinese menu email for, yeah, that, uh, for that, the that, Vince that, Russo interview with Ben Miller. Right. Those things would kind of uh, distract from uh, from details like those, I would think. I wonder if the Chinese menu's still online. Well, it's got to be somewhere. That was, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty much, it was, what was it, like some sort of Chinese stereotype joke. Yeah, every, every dish was. A uh, column B joke. Yeah, every every dish was some sort of dirty joke uh, yeah. designed to sound like a Chinese dish or something like that. Yeah, and that was lovely. Uh, Way too young. Was <laughs> Way too young, only only available on school days. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, so Test, I guess this was, you know, this was sort of tied into the other stuff, just that... Yep. Just we're talking about a little bit because you know did talk a lot about the head injury stuff on the show I did with Dave a couple weeks ago. Uh, I guess this shows though a guy who was not considered a big bumper. I mean, he did take his share of bumps, but right would not be anyone would think of as being a guy with major brain damage had major brain damage. Right, and I mean, he's not even a guy you'd really think of even like taking. Bumps, really, he's a guy you'd probably think of taking less bumps than the average wrestler. Yeah, and... Throughout uh, his career, I mean, not... You know, there were certain times, like the ECW run, and when he yes. used the elbow more, that, yeah, you know, the flying elbow, that you would you'd say that he would be like that, but... Right. Yeah, it's... So, I don't know what to think. I mean, you know, I can't think of any specific chair shots to the head, but I'm sure they're, they, were, they're, they were there because it was Russo WWF yes. when he had his peak. And, you know, when you watch some of that stuff, it is, like, shocking how many unnecessary chair shots to the head there were. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, you know... I'm trying to figure at what point it becomes so shameful to just put up your hands. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I just remember the RVD thing where he. I remember, about yeah, I was like that. That was one, his that way one of doesn't... respecting yeah. the business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. Well, at least he's volunteered to donate his brain when he dies. Oh yeah, yeah. which is something. But he's uh, I... he's not going to be part of the control group, I assume. Uh, yeah. I mean. 
you know, it, it's interesting, though, you know, that, you know, I think his family, though, had said that he, you know, Tess was just, you know, sort of exhibiting sort of bipolar type behavior, which does go hand in hand with uh, drug addiction a lot of the time. So, you know, there's probably some chicken in the egg type of thing to go with it. But, I mean, it certainly could have contributed to his addiction and and that almost makes me wonder about, you know, the thing that I was talking with Dave about last time that, you know, that it seemed like almost like too weird that there would be this, that so many wrestlers would be straight up addicts who were doing this to get high. Maybe the ones who are, you know, are, are, you know, maybe the head injury did something with that. Yeah. And we don't know. But you know, that's, you know, that probably could have contributed to it. Um, but. It'll be interesting to see where more of this stuff goes over time. I mean, yeah, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of the damage has been done already. You know, yeah, so it's true. I'm not saying I'm waiting for more people to get terrible head injuries now. No, but you know, whatever it, research happens in the future, it's just uh, I don't know it, it's just very strange, and uh, I, I want to say telling, but I'm not sure it, just how much it, we've been told by it um, that. You see this level of of brain injury from someone who was not really thought of as wrestling a exceptionally physical style, you you know, by most standards, um, and what that says about the uh, the physical dangers presented by wrestling in general, uh, how much of that can be mitigated, how much of that uh, is just inherent. Um, and all these other questions that I don't know. Yeah, you know, one thing that gets talked about sometimes is trying to, I guess, trying to see if you can see patterns in if the guys who didn't were known not to use drugs were better off. I mean, you know, obviously there's Jerry Lawler. Yeah, and he's you know he's a young guy known not to drink drink use drugs any use steroids anything like that. Took a, yeah. some pretty crazy bumps throughout his career. Um, you know, did the fish drop directly onto his knees pretty much every match. Did that backwards bump over the top rope pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems like he could do everything he did throughout, you know, early in his career. You know, it's, yeah. I don't know, Mick Foley, very broken down, but he almost seems like he, he's in better shape than he should be. He's a guy, I mean, you know, he's a guy who's obviously uh, not totally uh, A-OK in the Dome, but, you know, he seems to function reasonably all right. Right. Oh, one thing that I thought was very interesting when Bret Hart was on Observer Radio this week, he was talking about, you know, how when he had his bad concussions, how he went into autopilot. Mm. You know, and was able to function, go to shows, talk to people and stuff. And sort of just how that relates to the whole thing of Benoit and, oh, if he had all this brain damage, how could he? Oh, yeah, that all saw. So it really, from someone... You can't see me playing the world's tiniest violin right now, but uh, I am. Right. He... I think that he's living proof of really what Dave Meltzer had been saying to some degree... You know that guys can. There are guys who can hide it or don't realize they're hiding it or whatever. 
I mean, Dave, you know, I thought this was, I think this is more earlier before he had it better explained to him about the level of brain damage and the Alzheimer's comparison. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the point is, brain's a complex thing. Yeah. Red Hart's, you know, saying, you know, and when you read, you know, what he went through and everything and know how badly his brain was damaged, the fact is, he was, you know, that he was in this haze and he, after, you know, the first night where he was slurring his words, he didn't seem that bad off to people that they were alarmed. Right. Uh, so, you know, and we know how how badly he was injured. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's... So, it, the point is, yeah, you know, that, yes, they could function. They might just not be trying to be. It's just happening. Yeah. So, I guess that's about it as far as that goes. What else... The latest stuff with the Linda McMahon campaign, and then the Obama thing, and uh, oh my god! Uh, was, well, the interesting thing I thought watching the show last night was that the Obama thing was clearly a generic video. Yes. Uh, they did get a real video from General Petraeus, though. All right, fair, fair so, enough. But it, I thought it was hilarious reading the press release. Oh, God, that, that thing channels, was great. The channels that, they went through, but they never actually say that they got a custom-made video. Yeah, I, they, uh, <laughs> I just, I, I just, I, I just love the, the, uh, the, the reply, <laughs> the reply to, you know, the report that it was not a custom-made video, where they just sort of casually act like nothing happened. <laughs> And and then just go into great detail to explain everything that they did do while leaving out the specifics of it was not a uh, a custom-made video without actually backtracking on the original it was a custom you – know, what – you know, the – it was impressive. It, it, yeah, it was a uh, it, it was a nice piece of work to just like keep on trucking with that line of thought without actually explicitly continuing it, nor explicitly recanting it. And, they, uh, and to their credit, they were able to snow Dave Meltzer on it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he the two things he posted about the press release was that they they cleared themselves. Yeah, I and I, I'm shocked that he didn't wasn't able to figure that out. Yeah, don't it, it's like oh uh, well, let me see what it oh you know the request. In fairness, though, I'm still I mean I'm still mildly in shock. One year later, that all three of the noted 2008 presidential candidates actually did make videos for the WWE. So uh, that, that that one that, that I'm still kind of trying to recover from that one. So. Eh, it's during an election. Yeah, yeah. I Once guess. got it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the, with the press release, you know, it says the quest process for the video began in April 2009. They met with the Deputy Director of Policy and Projects of the First Lady. They continued discussions after Labor Day as requested. Yep. And then the key is, in November, WWE was pleased to receive confirmation from Matt Flavin, Director of Veterans and Wounded Warrior Policy at the White House, that a... That a presidential message would be supplied for tribute to the troops. <laughs> WWE supplied background information as well as production and deadline needs. We received confirmation on Monday that President Obama's message had been taped and was delivered Tuesday morning. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, WWE supplied background information as well as our production and deadline needs, I think, 
for some reason that one like really jumps out to me as the as the funniest line in there just because like you know <laughs> you just sort of envision like you know Barack Obama you know pouring over uh the list of the list of specifics that <laughs> that Vince McMahon you know needs all the, all the things that Vince McMahon needs him to hit on in his video and, and you know just getting all getting as a team together talking about we need to we need to <laughs> we 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 look. These are their production and deadline needs. We can't let these people down, folks. This is this is world wrestling entertainment. <laughs> Damn it, Obama! If you want to talk about the VA, it's a medical facility, not a hospital. <laughs> you know, oh God. And I just I I have to say, as far as incredibly dishonest WWE press releases go, this is by far the best, well, most well done of them. Oh yes, no question. I that they they were they did a very good job constructing it. Yes, the other it, you know in the very past, well put together, a very very good job of uh, of disguising what was actually there. I mean, you know, it just you think about you know going back to like the deluge of post Benoit press releases, and you keep reading them and like all the press releases and the contact with their PR people, and they're like, dear God. Are, do these people act? Do they? Are these people? I really hope nobody paid? actually got paid for that because you know, I, I, Jesus Christ, that that was sad. Well, I believe I, I think the thing is is that they had real PR people, but it was dictated from above them what they would say, even though that's their job to figure out what to say. Yeah. So I don't know, but that whole thing, you know. The cause of death was asphyxiation. Steroids could have nothing to do with the deaths. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> that old. And then we checked around. We don't have any records of Chris Benoit getting concussions. Oh yeah, that that was out. the that, that was the best one too. So you know, it it was a nice way. That was sort of like uh, a nice way of tacitly admitting that they just don't give a shit at all uh, about the health and well being of their employees. I'm trying to figure out if that one. Was it's not. It's not so much that we you know didn't care enough to record. You know, after Benoit got blasted in the back of the head with a steel chair by Triple H, we just don't have any records. It's, I assure you, this is just how it is, you know? We know he was unconscious and then unable to stand up for several minutes, but, you know, we didn't really check on anything. So, so, you know, no records. uh, So, you know, he was fine, obviously, as the records show. But I'm trying to figure out, though, if the later development that they did have some records of concussions made that better or that statement better or worse. <laughs> I'm uh, not really sure. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know how. I mean, I guess there was a time when I'd say, I don't know how you make this one worse, but they often found ways. And if Linda gets that gets elected and, you know, it's a year away, so I would guess that as things get more serious and they get closer to the primary, that enough will come out publicly and be used by her opponents that she won't win the primary even. Yeah. But, I don't know. I don't think she will be, but sure will be. Well, I mean, if she what, come, what if she even really... Close. I mean, even putting aside, you know, what her opponents can use against her, what what does she really have going for her that... that her opponents are, are theoretically lacking. You know, what real advantage does she bring to the table here as a candidate? 
Um, I guess the only thing is that she's socially somewhat liberal. It, like, if, so, if someone's looking for a fiscal conservative that's somewhat socially liberal, that's the only thing I can think of, because, you know, the whole, you know, the abortion thing she talked about, and, you know, regardless of what you think about the issue, I give her credit for saying it when she's running as a Republican. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess that's her spot. You really have to question all the overspending that she's doing. Mm. I mean, dear God, I mean, we're how many months away from the primary? And as soon as she announce her, announces her candidacy, she's constantly running all these commercials. And not just in the more Connecticut-specific markets, she's running them all over. I mean, you know, parts of Connecticut get New York TV stations, but still, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, <laughs> you know, so we've been seeing these Linda ads all over the place for the last couple months. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, she's been spent. I'm trying. There was a, a figure of how much she spent so far, and it was absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, when she's slated, she's probably going to spend at least $50 million And uh, I just. It seems, uh, it seems a long way to go for something that, uh, seems, seems like kind of a long shot to me. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what what if she in on the sh- long shot that she does win. Do you realize what that's going to do to the McMahon mindset? Um, what's left of it? No, I mean when you I think mean, about, I mean, think uh, about, it's going to yeah. be uh well y- you know Vin- Vince's god complex is pretty bad already, and that and a lot of that's from the uh from went from the trial. Yes, because you know the thing in J.J. Dillon's book, it's like. Vince could have done two things. He could have learned from it and gone on with his life, or he could have thought used it to show how invincible he was. And he did the latter, which included, after the trial, putting up a banner in the office that said, We did it! We kicked their asses! Yay! <laughs> and of course, which led, in, of course, the trial sort of, I guess you could even say, somewhat halfway between directly and indirectly led to J.J. Dillon leaving the company because the trial fees led to the salary cuts, which led to J.J. Dillon not being able to pay off the mortgage, or, well, not just the mortgage, the loan that he had from Titan Sports, which they were supposed to forgive, and he was not supposed to earn interest after the salary cuts, and eventually he he resigns from WWE because he has lost total respect for Vince McMahon because he thinks he because he he part of it was that only the rest the people in the office that would be considered wrestling people had their salaries cut. So you know, JD yeah. Dillon, Howard Finkel, Pat Patterson, you know, everyone else in the office did not get a pay cut. Right. Uh, that did not sit well. Yeah. Know, Alfred Hayes did quit over it though. Oh, did he? Yes. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious what his actual office job was, considering for several years at this point, his on-screen role was, promotional considerations have been paid for by the following. I kind of wonder if they made him... Senior Executive Vice President of Mr. Freeze, Freeze Pops, pitching. No, but I'm kind of curious also, I almost feel like they would make him re-recorded every week, just to earn his keep, instead of staying playing the same one over and over. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Seamus. Seamus. Uh, uh, what do you even begin to say uh, about Seamus? 
it's and, good to see them pushing someone who is literally unable to tan. <laughs> it bodes well for Brian Danielson, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, you have a, it's I, I mean I guess perception wise, if they're gonna push new guys with him and to a lesser extent Drew McIntyre. Yes. It really does not send the best message to the roster and the people reading about this stuff that it was the two guys that seem to be palling around with uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Right. Um, I'm kind of curious exactly how it's much... Like, it's the like, new class. What? It's the click, the new class. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like... Well, someone pointed out, you know, as far as, well, Triple H would work out with Just Incredible and Ryan Lee, and they didn't get big pushes. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know what to say. It's just, he's not bad. It's not like Sheamus is bad, but it's just, oh. why him, why now? It's uh, it's just such an out-of-nowhere call to make. Um, you know, I have nothing against Sheamus. He, uh, I, I watch those Goldust matches, and... Certainly, they started out as strict gold dust carry jobs, but you know he he developed pretty fast in that environment, and you know uh, he's he seems like a perfectly acceptable wrestler to me. Just where's the demand coming from to put the belt on this guy all of a sudden? It seems like a pretty major promotion. Uh, and I'm not really sure what the impetus for it was or, and what the purpose of it was. If it's not just something with Triple H and his If it's not just blah, something blah, blah. with Triple H fucking around for whatever reason. And, you know, the Drew McIntyre thing, too, I mean, he's not, again, not bad, but he's pretty bland, and yeah. I just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be a reason for it other than Gonna put, we're gonna put some new guys. Hey, we like these new guys. I hang out with these new guys. These new guys are pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, also, Seamus is, I mean, Drew McIntyre is pretty young. He's younger than me. He's like 23. Yes. But Seamus is 32. Huh. So, I, I don't know. It's so you're, weird. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so your new guy is about, the same age as the established veteran he just won the title from. Yes. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, he's been there a lot less time, but it's still yeah. weird. It's sort of like, you know, I mean, it's not as extreme as Batista, but no, it's still a little weird. But, you know, Batista, like, was sure. around for a little while and got over and developed as a wrestler, and right. then and gave when, the belt. And when he got over, it was the right time to put the belt on him. Right. Whereas Sheamus is just like, surprise, new champion, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, yeah, what, what the fuck, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's just so utterly fucking random. I, I have no qualms with Sheamus. I have no qualms with Sheamus even as a main eventer facing John Cena. I mean, I haven't seen the match, but it seems like those are two guys who could match up well against each other. Um... And it could be an entertaining feud, but do you need to put the belt on him? Why? You know, is this just going back to the old talking point of Cena is boring because he wins all the time and we don't want to have a long-term champion? You know, is, you know, are, are we just, I just, oh, 
just, I don't know, man. This is, this is just an unsolvable riddle to me. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like, but again, I mean, I guess, it, I, I kind of wondered, though, if Seamus getting a push is going to be like this decade's version of, hey, Mick Foley became a big star even though he was scruffy looking and, but he fell off stuff. Maybe if I'm scruffy look, I hate, I'm scruffy looking. Maybe if I fall off stuff, I'll be a big star. <laughs> so now, maybe, maybe if you're like, pale, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, wow, wow, now WWE doesn't need guys to tan. This is awesome. Joe, they hired, they hired Danielson. I mean, wow, there's a whole new opening, uh, in this company that, that we just had never seen before. I'm also curious what the proportion of real tans to fake tans is in WWE. Real tans including tanning beds, but compared to spray-on. because Yes. Just for health reasons, because I know some people who, who do have fake tans and they look fine, but then yeah. you also have the Shawn Michaels fake tan from a couple of years ago. Right. Uh... I just, I'm curious, you know, if they just have a matter of finding the right tanning salon to spray them or what. Mm. Because there are some people who have fake tans that do not, that look like real tans. There's some people who have real tans that look like fake tans, and there are people who have fake tans that look like real tans. Yeah, it's a, it's a puzzler. But Seamus doesn't have to worry about it. Seamus doesn't have to worry about any of that. Seamus will, uh, there will never be any question about how Seamus got his tan. I kind of almost wish, though, I think he'd be cooler if they gave him, like, an albino gimmick to feud with Undertaker and gave mm. him cool contact lenses. Yeah. That would be, I, that, I'd, I'd like Seamus better. That'd be interesting. And they, they'd have their, you know, you know, Western European instead of Hade Vanson that could feud with the Undertaker or whatever that was. <laughs> How tall was Hade Vanson before they realized he was... Sh- no, because what's the whole thing that they realized he was short? Yeah, well, he was he was a, uh, a short to feud with the Undertaker. He was they were going he was a like a legit cruiserweight. Yeah, and uh, they were gonna feud him with the Undertaker because that's a good idea. Although it tricked it, it it did at least pay off in that it tricked uh, the Undertaker into figuring out how to rework his style to work smaller guys mm-hmm. and have like you know good matches with Shelton Benjamin and CM Punk where he actually, like, makes them look like credible threats without destroying his own aura. Wikipedia says Hate Vanson is 5'11". Well, that's probably wrestling height, though. Yeah, so... I mean, Eddie Guerrero was 5'11". Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, so you can extrapolate from that, or or, uh, de-extrapolate. Well, some people... Whatever extrapolating down would be. How much did they say... How much... How how tall did they say that Ray is? Um, Ray is... Uh, well, what does Wikipedia say his height is first? That I'm curious about. Oh, that's a, let me hold on. Oh, I think, you know what? I think if you look at the Wikipedia inane arguments archive, there's <laughs> actually, yeah, one they, I think there's up Ray Mysterio's height. I think it's like that and the WrestleMania 3 attendance. Yeah, there, there's a couple, uh, of wrestling related ones. Those are the ones that stand what out. That, what is, what is that section of Wikipedia what, called? Um, arguments? Something like that. I mean, most most absurd edit wars, something like that. Maybe. Okay, let's see. Something, something edit wars. By the way, it says Ray's build height, and it specifically states build height is 5'6". Well, that's how they settled it. 
So yeah. Uh, WWE.com says five six. Yeah. So that is that's what that that's four, three to four inches. Yeah, that's you. That's usually about. That's usually the average amount. Yeah, I mean more probably more Freddy Guerrero though. Yeah. A little bit more because I've heard five six to five seven and. Yeah. I think they went up to five eleven for him. So you can say hypothetically, Hate Vanson was like five seven, five eight. Yeah. This is a wild guess. At the most. At the most, right? Uh, yeah. So wait, let's see if we can call. Wait, let's see if we can see what was it? Stupid, most absurd edit wars. Um, edit wars. I I don't remember exactly. It was something related to edit wars. The lamest edit wars. The lamest edit wars. That's right. Well, wait. First, I'm gonna have to go through the dig link. Not the direct one, because that's what came up earlier. Okay, lamest edit wars, and then we go to... Uh, okay. Ray. Ray, Ray, Ray. Let's see if we can see. Okay, Ray Mysterio Jr. Is he 5'2", 5'3", 5'5"? Did he deb- debut at 5'4", and later grow to be 5'5"? Is he actually 5'6"? Should the official WWE website take in as accurate, in sp- despite its common practice of increasing heights and weights for entertainment purposes? What about heights as they appear in video games? This edit war, which was strongly contested due to the many conflicting sources, led to the bizarre compromise of listing his height at 5'4 and a half with the text, we have come to a compromise between 5'2 and 5'5", five, five, just thus throwing out all sources and making a claim based on metal ground rather than accuracy, which, as of February 9, 2008, has been sup- supplanted by 5'6 again. TNA World Heavyweight Champion, is Kurt Angle the first champion or Christian Cage? Was When the NWA World Championship was withdrawn, did TNA recognize the physical title as that TNA World title? Or did Angle win nothing when he took the belt back from Cage? Is Angle in his first or second title reign, etc.? WrestleMania 3, was the attendance of the event in question 78,000 or 93,178, or was it really 75,000? Steve Meltzer, an unreliable source because he is personally anti-McMahon? Mm. McMahon, an unreliable source because he is pro-McMahon? What? <laughs> well, uh, I, I would argue he's an unreliable source, but, you know, that's uh, that's a separate issue. Should Meltzer be considered a reporter because he freelances for the LA Times and Sports Illustrated? Or is he a self-published hack who runs a tabloid? Either that's way, Jerry McGivet. <laughs> either way, this has led to a lot of tears and an eight-month-long edit war. Oh, I love I love that basically the uh, sole bit of, of uh, evidence that suggests that it was actually ninety three thousand one hundred seventy eight is that requires you to believe that the WWE lied about it precisely once in terms of official records and it was in their own records. They they told the truth to everyone but themselves. Therefore, ninety three thousand. Let's see. Oh, others. Oh, there are more wrestling ones that I'm finding here. Let's see. There's Andre the Giant. Was he seven one, seven four, six ten? Was his height even consistent during his entire career? He was tall. Just leave it at that. Let's see what else. Wait, I have to. That's the, that's the compromise I always came to. I have to scroll back down. Where was I? Um. Oh, Lita. That's what it was. Wait. Well, questions have arisen concerning the name of Lita's moves. Is it DDT or Lita DDT? Wasn't it Lita DT if you were going to call it that? And not lead I, I don't know. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but uh, 
Hurt her Kunrana or Lita Kunrana, Moon Salt or Lita Salt, Power Bomb or Lita Bomb. When did I guess she did do the Power Bomb? Didn't she? Is a Power Bomb even a finishing move considering it's not used that often? Do you go by the games the announcers WWE.com? A fan name suggested thing was added. WWE No Mercy page had a three way edit war uh, over the whether the way, phrase Fatal Four Way contains a hyphen. Oh, yes. The lamest. They, uh, Resulted in the page being fully protected for a month with the protector declaring it the lamest edit war they had ever seen. Awesome. Yes. Was oh this is this one's not wrestling, but I like this. Was Cranky Kong the original Donkey Kong? Yes. Could it be the character in the Super Nintendo and N sixty four games is actually a son or perhaps his grandson? So we trust offhand comments made by a video game character? This will be licensed by Nintendo make Rareware Publications official. How official is the Nintendo seal of quality? To some people, these matters are a matter of life and death. Uh, for the record, the Nintendo seal of quality was, as the name implied, a means of quality control related to the company's internal policy regarding third-party software, but it's still a lame at war. Yep. Do we have any other wrestling-related ones we're amusing on? Mm-hmm. Is Limp Bizkit new metal slash rapcore or rapcore slash new metal? Really? <laughs> really? Man, I thought I had too much time on my hands. Oh, hey, here's a wrestling one. Uh, Triple Crown Championship. Debate rages over whether the WWE United States Championship is included as criteria for becoming a WWE Triple Crown Champion. And it's for and against the inclusion of the title leads to several re- reverts, many angry people, and one fairly active user retiring due to the edits. He later returns on a semi-active status. Eventually, the U.S. title was given its own section separate from the main list, even though the debate is still going on. A similar case is made for the ECW World Championship, but due to its newness in the WWE, is generally agreed on that it does not count. It's a prestigious title anyways, let's put it that way. Is it? Um, according to Wikipedia. Um, WWE Armageddon. Whether or not the match between Undertaker and Mr. Kennedy should be listed second or third. The official website for the match for the event had the match listed third, but since quote the quote order doesn't matter, others continued to make it the second listed match. If the order doesn't matter, then why did you edit it? <laughs> the ensuing argument led to the page being fully protected and spilled into the talk page. The WPPW which is WPPW. Uh, professional, a wiki project, professional wrestling, and even paid the page for the following pay per view. <laughs> hey, Vic Grimes. What? Yeah, I see this. Grimes. Like... Yes, Vic Grimes. Lameness originating. Oh, this is the Jonathan Barber thing. Yeah, originating from violation of WP uh, ownership of articles leads to an epic edit war after the author, in quotation marks, attempts to remove all the information they ever posted on Vic Grimes, claiming they own the information. The resulting war escalated and incidents that derived from the war ended up on a whole shit ton of violations uh, that were all just fucking Jonathan Barber being an idiot. And the talk pages of many users and admins. The war temporarily ends when the author, again making air quotes, was blocked indefinitely for violation of numerous policies and trolling but soon began again when the author started using AOL sock puppets to continue their campaign. After that, the user was banned and still continues to pop up with more sock puppets. Yeah, you have, by the way, yeah, first of all, look up Wikipedia lamest edit wars if you can read all of these, including yeah, the non There's some really good stuff here, folks. Just also, yeah, the Jonathan Barber thing, uh, by the way, 
He is uh, referred to in the Earth Mushnik Benoit book. Is he? Uh, something involving... Forget if it was a message board post or a Wikipedia thing, but something about well, it would have he would have been gone from Wikipedia by then, I think, officially. Something about Lucha Ritsu <laughs> fan six one nine posting something somewhere. Maybe it was Wikipedia, but anyway, uh, external links. Let's see if we have. There are a lot of wrestling ones here, aren't there? Yeah, there are. List of uh... multiracial people. Are people who are white and multi-ethnic considered multiracial? Doesn't matter anymore, as the article was deleted. Hmm. Uh, list of virgins. Does the dispute about whether or not Britney Spears belongs on the list eventually def- resolved in a definitive manner? Maintenance of the list proved impossible and it was later deleted. List of virtual boy games. Should the game list have a pink background? List of virtual console games. Should Wii points be included? How should they be listed? Hitler has only got one ball. Can anonymously written folk songs be copyrighted? What if the anonymous author sues Wikipedia or his son? Such a serious controversy on such a serious article can only be settled by a month-long, soul-scarring flame fest delving into international copyright law, which fails to convince an ostensibly irascible user how to impugn Wikipedia's credibility. What? What? Oh, 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 excuse me, and that's right below uh, Gay Nigger Association of America. Wait, is there no more? Is there no more Wikipedia entry for them? Um, no, apparently not. Though not really an edit or per se, the article was nominated for deletion a very lame total of eighteen times. Finally deleted two and a half years after the first nomination for lack of sources, the article was, in its time, the subject of a proposed and eventually rejected policy to kick the ass of anyone who renominated the article. It was also the subject of a pool on when it would reach ten nominations, which also was eventually deleted. Uh, Wait, I'm looking at a different GNAA. Oh, yeah, and, and there's one further up, actually, I think. Okay, I'm looking wait, at by one the way, far- okay, d- 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 do you know of the GNAA? Um, I, I only know that it has an awesome name. Okay, so there's this... Also, I know that, you know, uh, there was some running joke with uh, with Andrew Wallace about gay niggers from outer space. Okay, but, uh, yes, there is a movie, and keep in mind we are quoting, we are not using this as a pejorative. No, we think, a... uh, we think very highly of those people. Well, let's see, wait, is the... No matter how fat or sweaty they are. What? <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? Uh, Mark Henry, man. Oh, we respect him despite the fact that that he ha- that he is uh, fat, black, and sweaty. Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna go over. Uh, Mark Henry is people... really fat, or does he actually have muscles that just don't look like a fucking bodybuilder? Wait, are you reading a, reading a Wikipedia edit war? No, I'm I'm, I'm 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 giving my own hypothetical Wikipedia edit war. Okay, gay niggers from outer space is this Danish short film about intergalactic homosexual black men from the planet Anus who discovers the presence of female creatures on planet Earth. on planet Earth, And then they eliminate them, and it's black and white, but it turns to color. And it, I, it became a cult following because it was listed on IMDb with no other info. Someone found it. Then at Slashdot, people would always post troll stuff about the Gay Nigger Associ- Gay Niggers Association of America. And they would always, I don't know if it's still there, because 
and I remember like the, one of the first times I ever read anything about Wikipedia, saw stuff on Wikipedia, and it was like after I had read this stuff, it was like Wikipedia, you know, it's someone talking about, it, and Wikipedia even has detailed entries on slash dot trolling phenomenon. <laughs> Do we have any other wrestling ones here? Uh, I think we co- I, I just scrolled through the rest. I think we covered all the wrestling ones. Talk pages. There are edit there... wars occurring on talk pages, not discussions on talk pages. Who even does that? Uh, images for wait. Anal oral contact is the concept of contact between an anus and a mouth complicated enough that we need a picture to explain it, or is the concept too icky to put in an article? Do we really need a hide slash show box to protect our virgin eyes, despite the fact that similar practices have repeatedly been rejected as policy? Oh, boy. Oh, let's say... Anal sex. Has there been a homosexualization of this article? Which <laughs> war over which image should be first, the straight one or the gay one? Anus. Should the title of the article... Should this article include a large image of a human anus? Should the demonstration anus be male or female? Should the level of hair in the anus be, quote, moderate? Debates over whether cropped porn images of bleached human anuses are appropriate for Wikipedia about. <laughs> okay, you know, I have to say, by the way, you know what? I don't care that these have nothing to do with wrestling. We're going to keep going through these. Okay. Five, that's fine by me. I, I mean, I, I don't have anything really to say about Seamus. Let's face it. Uh, we might as well be doing this. Black people. Edit war over which pictures should be used to represent black people and how to caption those pictures. Be sure to practice your absurd captions on the pics on the talk page. Then ramble on ad nauseum and said talk page justifying your edits. Don't forget to contribute your diatribe in your edit summary. Oh, wait, it's locked so you can't. Uh, cow tipping. Is it appropriate to include a picture of a cow with a caption and unsuspecting potential victim? Question mark. <laughs> Dental floss. Uh, Ejaculation. Debate continues. Yes. Rage over whether a picture and a video, presumably of a Wikipedia editor of ejaculation, is encyclopedic. Some editors object on the grounds that the subject is ejaculating without apparently touching his penis. Can this be considered normal ejaculation? Another editor objects on the grounds that the image video is akin to a self-attributed quote, or worse, an original work. Should the video and or image be included but linked or otherwise hidden? Much wailing and gnashing of teeth, along with the usual pleading for the sake of the children, including one post by a parent whose 12-year-old daughter had bookmarked the article and concluded that gay perverts had overtaken Wikipedia. Obligatory village pub discussion can be seen here. See also semen below. Hmm. <laughs> by the way, semen! I, I, I use it <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, you know what? If, if Naylor can do it on the shows with Alan and Dr. Keith, we can talk about non-wrestling stuff, too. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Okay, ejaculate. Wait, wait. did you go down to scene? I, I say we, we came into this with a framework, and what happens after that is our own business. Okay, wait. Wait, wait, okay, semen. A user contri- quote contributed several photographs of his own penis to articles. <laughs> Takes it all. <laughs> you go, you go. I can't. Who <laughs> contributed several photographs of his own penis to articles? Takes his own an actual- semen. His own. 
photo of his own semen and puts it on the page. Cue an ongoing several months long revert war over the image on whether a badly taken picture should be included as a visual aid. Wait, so let's wait. Let's go back up for a second. See what we missed. Okay, ejaculation. Uh, feces. Red hair. You do feces, then I'll do red hair. Should it contain a picture of a large human turd? As of early July 2005, discussion on the issue alone had reached 12,900 words. (laughs) Brace yourself for a second round. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, Okay, the editor, I can't read it. I'll just say the guy who posted the ejaculation video. (laughs) Oh, my God. Red hair. Should, Should we have animals? Should we have a picture of this girl or another one? Should we have a picture of someone's principal? Should we exclude die jobs? Uh. People. Wow. Sonic the Hedgehog. Should the picture at the top of the article be old style Sonic or 3D? Old style. Well, they're all furries. Who cares? (laughs) Um, user box. the days when Sonic the Hedgehog wasn't just for furries. It wasn't. It wasn't, and then it was. Yeah, it it wasn't. Well, you I know, mean, in, in the Genesis games. days, he was just another mascot, albeit a very good one with some very good games. And now he's just like furry central USA, you know. Well, I mean, there's a pic that they made him kiss a human character. Yeah, that. Well, now now he's a furry. In 2006, when they made that game, he was a furry. No, they, 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 that quote about that was something like. It wouldn't surprise it surprised me if eventually Sonic's wearing a diaper and doing vore. Yeah, I've seen Sonic. I, I, I love of God. I had Sonic vore is. On, wait, unfortunately, I, I I've seen that horror. So you know what a fan art of Sonic vore. Yeah, someone like on well back when it went back on the kaiju board. I think somebody sprung that one on me. It was it was it was Sonic vore porn, and it was just. <laughs> okay, if you're gonna look up Vor for the love of God, make sure you only find the definition and not any yeah. and not any illustrations. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> yeah. It, this is uh, this is one of those things that uh, makes the internet extremely dangerous. Aphex Twin is Aphex Twin really IDM? Is IDM even a legitimate tro- genre or just a huge internet troll? Hmm. <sighs> Boat. Wait, this doesn't even say what. Is cauliflower cauliflower is cauliflower nutritious? Charles Darwin is sharing a birthday with Abe Lincoln important enough to include in the Darwin article, or is it a piece of trivia with no one no in place encyclopedia? Okay, wait, we're getting past the quality of uh, Hitler only has one ball and feces and semen. Uh, Hitler. Uh... Hmm. Da, 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 da. Is adding that a rival state TV station is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints vandalism that must be reverted on site? Uh, wait a second, what? The list of TV stations by me- in North America by media market. The FCC claimed copyright over the concept of the designated market area in the entire U.S. section of the article required a complete overhaul? <laughs> wait, wait, What? Oh I'm, wait, before they get to it, I'm confused how the FCC can lay claim over someone explaining how TV markets work. <laughs> wow. Mayonnaise. 
the traditional mayonnaise contain lemon juice or not? I hope. Uh, the Mickey Mouse Club was Zachary Jade and a cast member throughout the MMC incarnation of this Disney series? Some say yes, some say no. As his name was added to and removed from the cast with depress cast list with depressing frequency. A standard reference book on Disney television doesn't list him, but some online sources do. Were those references added by Jaden himself? Who knows? Fans of the 50s version can only shake their heads in amusement. <laughs> uh... Wait a second. Miss Kitty Fantastico. Or whether it's appropriate for the text Some Demons to link to the article Evil Reptile in Kitten Eater from Another Planet. Miss Kitty Fantastico, by the way. Wait, why did Miss Kitty Fantastico, which by the way is Willow and Tara's cat on Buffy. Oh, okay. It's an under mist of, list of minor Buffy characters. Wait, why is a cat under minor Buffy? <sighs> wasn't even a magic cat. It's not a magic cat. Monty Hall problem. Is it a puzzle, a probability, or game? Okay, wait. Puberty! Oh, there's oh, a good one. This is going to be a good one. Should boys or girls be listed first? Should it be in traditional English or alphabetical order? Or should it be in the order that humans start puberty? Is there some kind of conspiracy in favor of females over males, or is it entirely innocent? <laughs> I'm shocked that this, and when I read this, I'm shocked that it didn't ask, have anything about people posting pictures of people going through puberty. <laughs> I'd expect that after reading the other. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that wasn't the very first thing brought up. Stegosaurus in popular culture. Okay. Two admins disagree over the inclusion of a paragraph mentioning several Stego-like cartoon characters. I'm, I'm not even going to go on with this. Uh, you too. Is it re relevant that Bono plays the harmonica? Uh. <laughs> Nintendo GameCube, has the GameCube been discontinued, thus it has, thus it has failed, in quotation marks, to regain the market share lost by its predecessor, the Nintendo 64? Or, since the Xbox is the only sixth generation console to be discontinued, is the GameCube failing to regain the market share? An air war over these two words ensues over an editor attempts to get the wording changed from the former to the latter. After a very passionate discussion and inconclusive sock by the report, full protection ends the war. Back on topic for a second. The Day of Reckoning games were awesome. Anyway. Mm. Uh, we play. Should show the box art from which uh, regions? Uh, man, should April Fool's jokes be mentioned in the main page? Uh, come on. Ooh, Tifa, what? Tifa Lockhart. Does Tifa, a character in the PlayStation game Final Fantasy VII, have oh, God. Quote, ample breasts? Unquote. Awesome. Likely debate over wording, whether breast size is point of view, and the entire concept of mentioning something that's silly. Is it you two are or you two is? <laughs> uh, oh, yogurt, the spelling of yogurt. Uh, uh, what is that? Okay, I think we covered all of these. Let's make sure. Uh, God, anything that was interesting. I mean, I, I, oh, God. <laughs> I suddenly hate myself for the, uh... List of fictional much. ducks. What? List of fictional ducks. <laughs> Nothing really of substance, just list of fictional ducks. There was an edit war over list of fictional ducks. Donald, Daffy, Huey, Dewey, 
Louie, Scrooge. Duck What's man. his name? The pilot. Um, Launchpad. Thank you. Darkwing Duck. Um, Studious Darkwing Duck characters. Um, Duck Man. Thank you. Other characters yeah. on Duck Man. Other characters on Duck Man. Oh, hey, this one's still up. What? Wow, it's a long fucking page. What the? Yeah, list of fictional ducks. Yeah. So compact disc is a trade name. Trade name therefore is capitalized. But the logo says compact disc with disc not capitalized. And now it's a gen- generic term depending on where in the world. Uh, flavor of love. Should second season winner Delicious be credited as her birth name Chandra Davis or her stage name London Charles? Months of IP edition and months of if you revert without discussion, you're going to be blocked and sue. In the end, nobody got blocked and it died down on its own, probably because both sides realized they were battling over a woman who willingly went on a reality show to fall in love with Favor Flip. <laughs> More Cowbell. A single Saturday Night Live sketch generates a remarkable volume of strong feelings among Wikipedians, with a particularly lengthy debate over whether an animated gif of that sketch is in, que- in question is too irritating for inclusion. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, ROH. Yeah. For a while there, didn't we? Speaking of uh, lame things. Yeah, that, uh, so last night they had their first live internet pay-per-view. Yep. Um, I uh, I did not see it, and from the sounds of things, I did not miss a whole lot. Apparently uh, there was no commentary pretty much throughout the whole show for two to technical issues. Uh, apparently... Well, actually, I kind of wish I did see Teddy Hart and Jack Evans well, wrestle yes. when they were not supposed to. That would have been neat. Yeah, so apparently, like, the impression I got from reading what who were there wrote was that, you know, they had, their flight delay led to them showing up late. They were told to just make a speech and leave, and then they started having a match of some sort that included um, Teddy sort of Whatever that, because uh, there was an animation of this I saw, and how would you describe this? Um, I would describe it as something of a mystery, uh, along the lines of Bigfoot. Uh, it's, I mean, he's, I, I guess the, the great question is, is he doing a move, it's is Jack Evans doing a move to him that's getting countered into a power bomb? It, it he's kind of like picking him up in a strange sort of way, and then I think Jack Evans. I need I need to grab uh, I need to grab that GIF again just so I know what I'm actually talking about. He does like a full flip. Wait, it's like it looks like it sort of looks like Teddy's picking him up to do a back suplex. Jack yeah. tries to backflip over him. Teddy throws him in the air as he tries to flip over him, and then somehow turns it into a power bomb. Right, and the uh, and the great not, question, right, and I'm the great sure question is is was that all one move that Teddy was doing, right. or were there was there a were there a series of counters in there that may or may not be detectable? Right. It's How are like- we supposed to interpret that sequence as viewers? It was like something that a Mikey Whipwreck trainee would do on LSD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me look at this again. I think that sums it up Wait, pretty so it well. Picks him up. Well, it looks like Jack's trying to do a counter, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's, wait, let, I mean, it's impressively fluid. Oh yes. But it goes by so fast that it's hard to tell exactly what they were going for. Right. I don't get why the person who posted this also posted the GIF of the power bomb backbreaker thing because that wasn't actually that bad. Yeah. That weird. But yes, maybe I'll post this when we post the show to see you can see it. And I yeah. am curious, by the way. It requires a visual aid. Yeah, I'm curious also if not that I would do such a thing, but if there are any illicit downloads of the show, since obviously someone would have done this after it had been shown live. Right. Because uh, we do not support the uh, the downloading of uh, copyrighted content over the internet, yes. whatsoever. No. Especially not on YouTube. No, 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 no. Never. Google would never endorse such a thing. No, absolutely not. Anyway, but yeah, they so they build and on the biggest show of the year, they end with the top baby face going to a draw with the champion. Isn't it nice that Tyler Black is basically Indy Lex Luger? <laughs> also, apparently, not not only does he go to a to a time limit draw with a champion, but uh, apparently uh, gets totally shit on by the crowd in the process. Which happened. Uh, I mean, I kind of figured that was going to happen once Danielson and Nigel were gone uh, and were no longer around to trick people into thinking he was awesome. But uh, it happened a bit faster than I expected. I like the guy who said he exclaimed, oh, God, they're going an hour after they announced the that 30 minutes passed by and then seeing everyone around him leaving. And God and God bless ROH for uh, and, and for uh, why 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 does this promotion think it's a good idea consistently to announce the passage of time only in matches where it goes to a time limit draw? You so almost for that reason you sort of get why Vince McMahon hates announcing time how much time's elapsed. Yeah. Although that could just be a damn it that's like the NWA thing. Yeah. I mean, then again, the I mean, I guess in in WCW and stuff they would. Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking if they ever did it in TV title matches that didn't go to a draw. Hmm. Or didn't go past the time limit, and then you know the old the old TV title rule. That they only did sometimes where the match could keep going, but the title was only online for the first 15 minutes. Right. But, I, yeah, I don't get that. At least in Japan, they do it. Yeah, if you, if you do it consistently, that's, that's one thing. But uh, if you do it selectively for matches that are going Broadway, it's, you know, kind of telegraphs the ending just a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what uh, I don't know. And Kevin Steen apparently turned heel, and yes, and and then apparently retired. Well, no, I thought he teased retiring and then turned heel. Oh, is, is that because because some people are interpreting that as retirement? Well, which you know would be kind of a strange way to go out, but and he apparently he brained Generico with a chair and yeah. Okay, by the way, here was I'm going to elaborate on this more, but. Apparently, one of the things that had people believing that he was really retiring was that you could see Adam Pierce with a headset on, you know, sort of clapping and smiling and, you know, as if it was a real retirement speech. Uh. Here's what I hate, and Arwich did this with Gabe, too. If someone exists only as the booker, 
and you know them only as the booker from non-wrestling, you know, from stuff that's not within their own programs, then they are the booker who make who determines how fake matches will end. Okay? <laughs> so if you then acknowledge that someone's the booker within the context of the thing, then you are no better than Vince Russo. Yes, exactly. Or if you try to further storylines within interviews you are doing as the booker. Like, you know, when Gabe Sapolsky would do the thing, oh, but Chris Hero, oh, oh, he's terrible. You know, when they did the CCW feud. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you're on Observer Live as the booker. <laughs> the man who decides how the matches end. And how the fake wrestling, for lack of a better term, happens. <laughs> In that, if you... I mean, he never put himself as a character, as Gabe, but... If you are then going to go along with a storyline, then what are you doing? <laughs> and if you then acknowledge within the thing that Adam Pierce... Now, as far as I know, I don't know if he's even still wrestling in ROH, is he? Um... <laughs> As if I can be bothered to pay attention to ROH at this point. I don't know, but the point is, <laughs> if you're doing something like that, you're acknowledging that he—it's people know that people know he's the booker, right? Either way, that's clearly—that's clearly the setting he was there in, right? So if you're doing that, then you are—I mean, look—if you're gonna do something like that, you need to have the person established as the matchmaker. Right. You know, it's one thing if Gabe Sapolsky, well, I mean, in that context, he was doing it as guy talking about booking fake wrestling. So that's mm -hmm. different. But if you have already established Adam Pierce is the matchmaker, you know, matchmaker Grizzly Smith and all that in Mid-South, right. then, okay, there's no problem with that. Because you at least established him as a matchmaker or even booker that is the guy who makes the matches. That's fine. Yeah. If you're going to do this, where you, if you're going to acknowledge where people only know he is the fake wrestling booker, then it's 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 Russo-ish. It's not as overt, and I'm not trying to say it is. This is not. Yeah. Oh my God! If the power bomb was part of this grand design, will Scott Steiner <laughs> and Kevin Nash have to improvise? It's not. No, that. but uh, it's not. It's not too far removed from that style, you know. Right, and you know, of course, there was the other ROH thing. With the thing was like, uh, CM Punk is running away with the world title. This isn't belt. Actually, yeah, that was Gabe as a yeah. character. I forgot about that. That, that was Gabe. Yes, stealing the belt, <laughs> which and... you know would have been a kind of a cool angle, and was kind of a cool angle. But you know, there's the whole taint of it being Gabe Sapolsky, the guy established only as booker of fake wrestling matches right. apparently not realizing that this was going to happen because it's not part of the script. Oh, no. Everything you are watching is real except for the no, is fake except for this which is real. Yes. And there was of course the other, th my favorite was the um, what was the thing? The uh, Well, there were two. There was the what was it? Oh, I totally forgot. Oh, the Roderick Strong. Yes, Ryan the Dan Roderick thing. Strong. Which was they got a little too rough in this match. Some sense he hit him in a sensitive area near the armpit. No, not in a wrestling match. No, wrestlers hit each other. Oh, 
I did, <laughs> did abandon that afterwards, thankfully. Yeah. But, uh, there, and of course, somewhat related was the Gabe statement about, what was it, about how the ROH champion does not do jobs. <laughs> do you remember this one? I, I don't remember this specifically. It was like right after Jamie Noble won the ROH title. Mm-hmm. That he had already been booked on a Jersey All Pro show, uh-huh. and there was some dispute over him doing a job. And uh-huh. so Gabe posts this message board post about how like everyone in the Indies knows that the ROH champions not do jobs. It's like an unspoken agreement. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh-huh. So Kamala went over Brian Danielson. Kamala, when when uh, Danielson was ROH champion, he had that match with Kamala. Kamala went over. It was by DQ, I grant you, but well, it's still. DQ though, and I don't think ti- I don't think titles change hands in ROH on DQ, do they? No. This although when you think, although I I, uh, I I mentioned this to a friend of mine, or he mentioned it to me, or vice versa, that uh, you know this was after uh, the the uh, Danielson McGinnis match where. They unified the ROH title with the pure title. The pure title theoretically did change hands on DQ. So I mean, it was it was sealed after that. But on a certain level, you could theoretically cl- claim that uh, Kamala became your Ring of Honor pure champion hmm. as a result of that match. That would be. I want to see him defend it. Chew on that, internet. It's like what I mentioned on Kurt Brown's show a couple weeks ago when Eddie Sharkey. Had Eddie Sharkey was like the had Maximum Overdrive, and they were his PWA tag champs. And then they uh, were on a clash where they jobbed the Steiners, and then he started claiming the Steiners were the tag were the PWA tag champs. And then he stripped them of the titles for not defending them within thirty days. <laughs> oh, here we go. After reviewing footage of last Saturday's match between Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong, as well as speaking to both Strong and Danielson, it has been decided that a rematch will happen this Saturday in Chicago for the world title. Danielson and Strong both wrestled last Saturday's bout very, quote, snug, <laughs> and tempers began to flare when Strong really lit up Danielson's <laughs> chest with some chops. Danielson fired back to, to get some, quote, receipts, and by the way, it actually puts receipts in quotes. I'm not adding the emphasis on that myself, okay? And in the process, chopped Strong in a very sensitive spot near the armpit and ended up breaking some blood vessels and causing Strong a lot of pain. In a oh. wrestling match! Oh, terrible. That, that's, that's, uh, that's just uncalled for. Strong went to get some... This receipts. is gentleman sport. Strong went to get some receipts, not in quotes this time, of his own, and caught Danielson with a forearm that knocked out the ROH World Champion for a few seconds. Things broke down from there, as you will see on the video at ROHWrestling.com. Should be up Tuesday afternoon, and the match ended abruptly. <laughs> oh no! Oh. The match ended. Be- Wait, did the match end before it should? What does that mean? Um, I, I, is it just an athletic contest? <laughs> abruptly. <laughs> oh, oh, for shame! He's a Jewish. It's 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 if Russo was a Jew. Yeah, it, it was it was a member of the tribe. Yes. <laughs> who, who who put on a, uh, you know, lured people into a false sense of security by putting on Indie Dream matches. <laughs> There's also a voiceover on the clip they put up, and I can't remember what it was. 
I'm just looking when I found the clip. It was in a message board post talking about how terrible the voiceover that he did on it was. <laughs> oh, someone posting, watching it, that I can't quite decide if it's legit or not. Some of it looks real, but the double leg pick and the cam camera following Danielson at the end does not. If it's a shoot work, it's the worst one ever, and the whole thing is twice as bad as I thought. <laughs> wow. Uh, just, my God. And of course, our good friend Keith Harris saying, I think the funniest thing is that Gabe Sapolsky probably thinks Vince Russo is a complete joke while using the same work shoot storylines he did. Yeah. Of course, then uh, Bobbins saying, To be fair, <laughs> Russo never came close to booking something so unbelievably lame as that. Especially not in the main events. Yeah, he did the Steiner Nash Goldberg. This match is actually going to be a shoot thing, but it wasn't because of a slightly chafed armpit, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Snug receipts. <laughs> Shoot, man, Mark. They, they... Mark. He he's he's revealing. You know, it makes me feel more inside, more knowledgeable. You know, and, and makes me feel good about myself as an inter as a pro wrestling intellectual. You know, yes, pro wrestling intellectual. Here, that's a fine book. Should be getting it this week to yes. review on Slam Wrestling. Uh, yes. I send my condolences in advance. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> if I do not commit ritual suicide, then I will give the book a thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> that's the sta I, I think that I think that's a fair standard to set. <laughs> For the collected works of Joe ba Babisack. <laughs> I want to know how he became like uh, Bruno Sammartino's buddy. Yeah, that's an odd story. Do people who live in Pittsburgh just all know each other? Hmm. Does, has Bruno San Martino read the collected works of Joe Babinsack and decided, wow, this young fellow is wonderful? <laughs> uh, you, know, my favorite, you know what my favorite Bruno San Martino is, story is, don't you? Uh, which one? When WWE sent out the uh, letter to all the former contracted talent about rehab. Mm-hmm. And he thought they were alleging something, and uh, was, uh, wanted to. He wanted to hold a press conference about what I cannot say. <laughs> or, I, I, what they, they send them a letter. They have not said they revealed any. They have not said that they alerted anyone that they specifically sent Bruno San Martino this form letter. And he, yeah, was some, someone had to calm him down, presumably, so he would not hold a press conference. He, <laughs> I'm not doing the drugs with the snorting and the pills and the not Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. But, and, <laughs> you know, and also, the, what was the other thing? that? Uh, did you read that interview he did a couple weeks ago on the Newsday site? Uh, no, I did not. His thing is complaining about um, how, like, how much a wrestler gets paid to do the Hall of Fame versus Mike Tyson getting paid three and a half million for WrestleMania. Hmm. Which kind of misses the point of paying Mike Tyson three and a half million dollars to do WrestleMania. Yeah. Since that pretty almost directly led to them going public a year later. Which, I mean, I understand Bruno's other complaints, but... Yeah, but uh, there's there's some strange ones mixed in there. Yeah. I and mean, of course, he did always have the thing about gimmicks and cartoonishness, which was probably one of the more hypocritical the closest thing to really being really hypocritical because his 
you know, he did the WCW Chamber of Horrors, not the Chamber of Horrors, the uh, Thunderdome. Right. So he did an electrified cage match as the referee, and I mean, he he pretty much went away from that eventually. The gimmicks and the cartoons, and went more towards the steroids and the vulgarity and all that, which is understandable. Yeah, he he was in a battle royale at WrestleMania that featured a bunch of NFL guys. Yes. Who probably got bigger payoffs than him. Probably got bigger payoffs than him. Yes. Um. Yes, I, guess, I would. I wonder what. Wait, oh. Yeah, he, you know, was he, was his son still working in WWF at that point? Because, you know, his thing was that he went back remember. in the mid-80s to help his son. I do not remember offhand. Actually, no, he still was. Because the that video I have on YouTube with the Lenny Poffo Pomo about people, how the fans should be nicer to David Sammartino's from 86. Ah, yes. <laughs> Look that up, if, if, by the way, if you have not seen that. It's like... Something, something, something. So give the kid a chance. <laughs> it's this, it's like, unlike, you know how all the babyface Lanny Poffo p- poems are about insulting the heel? Yeah. This one is about how the fans are unfair to his babyface partner because he's not as good as his father. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh. And by the way, uh, one uh, Bobby Heenan uh, day was was that last week or the week before? Um, one of those. He looks so terrible, I... but apparently he's doing fine. Well, and Ebert seems to be better, doing better fine than too. Better, better than to be better to be uh, being fine than to be looking fine, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, and you know, if he seems to be doing okay, Ebert seems to be doing okay. Aside from the not being able to talk and having to. And well, Ebert doesn't have even have his jaw reconstructed to the degree Heenan did. He opted oh. not to go for the surgery. So, oh. if they feel okay, that's I guess that that's all that matters. Yeah. And I think we've covered just about everything this week. Uh, I believe we have, um, and then some. Yes, including very including the, some of the lamest edit wars in the history of Wikipedia. Yes, uh, that was that was certainly interesting. And by the way, if you're considering it, please do not picture, post a video of yourself ejaculating hands-free on Wikipedia. Yeah, folks, if you take one, if you take one lesson away from this entire podcast, and, and I know that there's a lot uh, to digest here, but if there's just one thing you learn from from this experience, please don't take a picture of yourself ejaculating and post it on Wikipedia. But if you do know how the guy did it. Hands free, then please post it on Wikipedia. Yeah, that because uh, that's vital information. Okay, I think I think that's it, and that was certainly enlightening. <laughs> and anyway, so it was, if you it was a real experience. Check out further of uh, Mr. Steve Lerner's works. Go to segundakayuda.blogspot.com where he. I actually his- post things there every now and then. Where you put as S L L. Yes. Um and of course, you know, for if you check out Cage Site well, if you're somehow seeing this on iTunes, check out CagesiteSeats.com for news and analysis and all that good stuff. And even now and then, like I somehow did this week, better interpreting something than Dave Meltzer did. Yay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting easier and easier to do. Well. 
Well, yeah, the, the web, and of course, the cagesightseats.com is, of course, 100% Bab and Sack and free. Yes. Well, it'll have the link to my review of the book, so aside from that, though. Yeah. And 400 pages, by the way. Pro Wrestling Intellectual. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, I just have to say this. Even if you were a very smart, good writer about pro wrestling, you should not name your book Pro Wrestling Intellectual. <laughs> no one should name anything Pro Wrestling Intellectual unless they're being sarcastic. Yeah, does a pro wrestling intellectual even really exist? I, don't, uh, I mean, I'd like to think that we're on a level above and beyond Joe Babinsack, but to call ourselves pro wrestling intellectuals, I think, would probably be pushing it. I mean, are they are they out there even? Um, I'm thinking of what's his Werner name. Werner Herzog once said something about uh, the Vince Shane McMahon match at WrestleMania X7. Like, maybe Werner Herzog could qualify just for one, even if it's just for one statement as a pro wrestling intellectual. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's certainly not Babinsack, I'll tell you that much. The only person who would be, probably be a pro wrestling intellectual would be uh, Tavlov. Yeah, oh, that's true. Tavlov qualifies. Is, is his uh, Von Erichs thing still on YouTube? It should be. If it's not, we need to find it. On Eric's of birth and blood, right? Yeah. Eric's of birth and blood. Let's see. No, unfortunately. Oh, no, it is there. It is there. Thank God. Okay. Uh, there's a uh, there's a companion piece whose name which whose name is slipping my mind right now about race relations. That's also quite excellent. Really? Yeah. Um. It, it's not as wrestling focused, although there is wrestling stuff in there. But uh, I can't remember the name of it offhand. You know, I actually once tried in like middle school. I tried to be uh, sort of BS my way through a project. In English class, something having to do, it was like something with, with it was like, I think it was English class because I think I remember the teacher who it was for, but it was like, I did something with Fritz von Erich and not, like Fritz von Erich being a babyface after he'd been a Nazi and music from the Twin Peaks soundtrack and it was very, I don't, I think I, I didn't fail, so. That, that our summer in Oklahoma, so by the way, our summer in Oklahoma, nineteen ninety. I'm seeing it now. Is uh, is the work I was thinking of? Okay. And by the way, though, for some reason, the playlist for Birth and Blood comes third. The first result is Lacey Von Erich has a nice ass part two. Rick Flair <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> okay. And then Kerry Von Erich versus Mike Blood. Oh. Yeah. So Von Erich's of Birth and Blood. I'm trying to figure out if I ever watched the whole thing. I have the I have a DVD of it. He sent me. It's a good piece of work. Yeah. Um, so there's your pro wrestling intellectual, right? There. Yes, yes. Uh, pro wrestling intellectual. If anyone is actually good, but he even he wouldn't call his no, he would writings pro wrestling intellectual. He he would demure from uh, he would demure from that title certainly. You would expect anyone who would use the term pro wrestling intellectual would be using it sarcastically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Tavlov has uh, a a bit too much dignity to uh, actually openly refer to himself as as a pro wrestling intellectual, and I imagine worried to uh, release a book, he would have enough dignity not to call it pro wrestling intellectual. Yes. 
I mean, of course, there's also the dignity of not releasing a book collect uh, that collects 400 pages of RSPW posts <laughs> and stuff that Dave Meltzer posts because it's longer than a paragraph. <laughs> I mean, I was saying this to like to Cardinal RSPW and, post for God's sake. Yes, and Doctor Lucha though the other night that like uh, 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 there have been so many things that you that get posted as columns or individual stories on the Observer site that are clearly just meant as emails. Yeah. My favorite being the promoter talking about being gay in wrestling, whose uh, post was then pulled, presumably, because he said that, talked about his parents not knowing he was gay. <laughs> and it said who it was. I actually named who it was, but I'm going to not do that now. Yes. But the point is, is if you have something to say and you want to send it to WrestlingObserver.com, that's enough words, even if they don't form proper sentences, <laughs> then it will probably get posted. Um, for God's sake, I mean, look at that Kurt Angle thing I sent in years ago. That was just the figure four site, but still. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember. <laughs> but the point is, yes, if you send something in, then uh, there you go. So I think that's it. That somehow went close to two hours, I guess, part in part due to Wikipedia. Yeah. That's greatly off track. Um, so yes, segundakaida.blogspot.com, cagesideseeds.com. Also Bab and Sack Free. Yes. Loserleavestown.net for the other podcasts. Um, oh, and before I go, just because he said to get the word out, uh, when I was interviewing Jim Cornette for a slam wrestling piece that I'm doing, he said, let everyone know that he has not had any involvement with WWE since he left, and that the video clips they use on the new DVDs are old from when he did other stuff, and that for whatever reason, people keep emailing him about it because they don't realize it's old, but he wants everyone to know that it is. All right. That it is stock footage. We got that clear now? It's something he has in common with Obama, besides political views. <laughs> so, I think that's a good note to end on. Everybody, right. take care. All right. So long, world.